Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. Be with everyone here on Breakfast with Champions. What a great morning it is and has been, and afternoon. I, got, I know we got a lot of time zones around here. 
Yes, indeed. We are welcoming to our Breakfast with Champions stage today, Pedro Adeo. And if anyone has not heard that name before, which I doubt, but if not, and if anyone doesn't know Pedro in his work in Challenges, he is the go-to expert in Challenges. He I mean, his story is just phenomenal. He didn't start doing, not, didn't start his work and and challenges until just a few years ago. I think maybe just two and a half, three years ago. He'll he'll confirm, and and he has turned in millions of dollars in revenue. He works with the likes of Tony Robbins, Russell Bronson, and I could go on. He's on stages. He's all over the social media with his expertise and challenges. So, without a longer introduction, I'm just going to say welcome to Breakfast with Champions, Pedro, and I am just thrilled that we have you here today and great to talk with you. Uh, Jude, it's an honor to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I'm excited about our time together. Well, listen, here we are. So, now, what were you doing? What was your work prior to getting into challenges? And then I want to find out how you got into the challenge work. So what were, what were you doing prior to that, Pedro? Yeah, so I was an entrepreneur, um, a small business, uh, you know, brick and mortar service provider. I was a financial, I was a financial planner. I was running uh, events in my local community, retirement education events at libraries. I was doing little workshops and um and basically, I had I learned about that business model um, uh, from a mentor who was focused on direct mail. So I got started in that business uh, doing direct mail dinner seminars, sending out actual like real mail, direct physical mail in people's mailboxes, and inviting people like over 55 and 60 and up to come to these retirement and educational uh, retirement, you know, dinner seminars. And then I quickly got tired of that. It was super expensive. Um, and so I got the idea to then write a book and then and then actually leverage online marketing, leverage Facebook ads and sales funnels and leveraging my my book and invite people to a meet the author night. And then I began doing financial education events with my book as a giveaway. And instead of instead of spending expensive mail and buying expensive dinners, I invited people to uh, meet the author night where I was where I was the. Uh, <laughs> Where I was the, uh, you know, the reason they were coming, not the free steak or free chicken dinner, and so that's how I kind of learned online marketing, and 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 then uh, about three years ago, I was I was on a podcast, I got interviewed about my faith and spirituality and business, and I just shared, uh, just it was a powerful interview. I shared a bunch of stuff I didn't even know I knew. I, I just kind of was I wasn't really aware of how much I had learned and grown in that area, and so when the podcast host was like, "Man, that was incredible." You know, where should I send my listeners to get more of this information? I'm like, dude, like there is no more of that information. Like, I'm a financial planner. I don't really talk about this stuff. He's like, are you kidding me? Like that was incredible content. Like they're going to want more. And I was like, well, uh, okay. Well, what do you, I mean, there's, there is no more. Like I just, I'm, I'm a financial planner. Like I don't do this type of stuff. So and I'm like, but you know what? Here, I, I, I remember this domain I had purchased. Uh, a year prior, and I was like, you know what? Send people to this domain. I gave them the domain address, and that was on a Tuesday, guys. Dude, uh, that was a Tuesday. The podcast would drop on a Friday, so I put myself under pressure, knowing that I had three days to get some kind of funnel, something on that domain, to not look like an idiot. And so I did my first ever free quarter, you know, masterclass, free challenge. Um, just to be able to not look like an idiot <laughs> to this podcast host and his, and his audience. 
And then uh, I was like, you know what? How am I already going to host this host this class for his audience? I might as well run some ads. So I, I ran some ads and and um, spent about three thousand dollars on Facebook ads, and had about three hundred people coming to my free challenge. I taught on a topic I was passionate about. I had no plans of making an offer, no plans of launching a business. And uh, what happened was people were just blown away by the training and the content. They begged me to launch a program. And and so we did. And that was three years ago. That's how we launched this accidental business. I say that God tricked me into it, which is the, the, the 100% truth. I had no plans of launching uh, that business. And, and we just kept doing these free challenges ever since. And to now we've done over really 53 profitable challenges in a row. And as you said, I've, I've been fortunate to help people like Dean Graziosi and Tony Robbins and Russell Brunson, Pete Vargas, uh, you know, and so many, many, many other, you know, well-known entrepreneurs, as well as brand new entrepreneurs, leverage the power of online challenges. Well, I love, love this story. And I love how you're the accidental challenge person, expert, go-to. Uh, and, and then listening, you know, I've always thought that, you know, this is how you and I got connected through, through your spiritual walk in God. And I've always thought that God doesn't put anything in our and our path that he doesn't think we can accomplish. So I really find that a, a beautiful story, Pedro. But along the line, um, you know, something about the entrepreneurial spirit, and yes, you were an entrepreneur, you were in the financial space, <clears throat> excuse me, planning, advising, and maybe your name wasn't on the door or on the building, but you are an, an entrepreneur, were an entrepreneur. And I think that's, you know, you, you said I took $3,000 worth of ads in, in Facebook. And I thought, now, how many people, and this is such an important lesson about being an entrepreneur. We, I mean, a natural born entrepreneur will take that risk. I mean, it's just inherent. It's in the DNA. It's in all of us. If we say, hey, I know I can do this, and then you just do it. But that was a good hunk of change and, and just on a gamble. And, and yet you did it. You took those ads, and then you started into an, another career direction. So now you have the ads and you've launched and people were pursuing you to do this. How, I know you told me on the phone the other night, the revenue that you brought in in a short period of time. Can we talk about the revenue value of, of challenges? And then we're going to get into the lead generations, the funnels and sure. and all of that. But, but just talk about the revenue because that's very impressive. Yeah. I mean, well, just even that very first free masterclass, I didn't even know what I was doing really. I mean, I didn't have the framework down. I was just serving people. Literally, I would just, it was a passion project. I loved the topic. And at that point in my life, I was in a place of abundance. You know, I wasn't mega rich, but I was, you know, we were doing fairly well. And and so I literally spent that $3,000 in ads just to meet some new people and share what I had learned. I had no plans of making an offer. So literally, I just invested that because I was so I so much enjoy talking about this topic, and I wanted to pay it forward and just help some people out and and do 30 days of free content. Well, what happened is we had of those 300 people that opted in, about 100 of them were active, and then 30 of them joined our my, my inaugural you know founding member launch of a program that didn't even exist for 995. So I had 30 thousand dollars of revenue come in when I wasn't trying to make an offer at all. So I had 10X, I literally made you know 10X return on my ad spend. And guys, I wasn't even emailing these people. I wasn't even emailing them. I, did, I didn't, I wasn't texting them, I wasn't emailing them. People just literally just bought because they wanted to be in. So um, 
So that's how we got started and, and we just never stopped. You know, most entrepreneurs G, will do something one time, it works so well, they never do it again. Well, that wasn't me. It worked so well, I kept doing it. I've done it now 50 some odd times in a row and we've been able to scale our business, uh, our business to well over eight figures in just our second year online, um, 100% on the back of challenges. I don't do lead magnets, I don't do webinars, I don't do VSLs, like I don't do anything other than live challenges and occasionally I'll do a big, you know, a, a live virtual event. And, um, and we've done this with zero sales team. I do not have an in-house sales team. And uh, it's, I've never heard of anybody scaling past eight figures in our industry without uh, an in-house sales team selling high ticket. We've done all that on the back of challenges, and and that's why and that's why you're seeing so many both new and elite level entrepreneurs move to this challenge model because they love how simple and easy it is to use. It's all live. It doesn't require a bunch of preparation. It doesn't require a bunch of prior recorded content, and it just makes it so much simpler and easier to show up live, serve your audience, give them massive value in advance. Help them get simple results day after day, and then invite them into your paid program if they want to go further. Um, it builds no like and trust like nothing else I've ever seen. And to me, it's the most value-based, integrity-based way of marketing yourself online in a time frame where there's so much garbage and hype and people who are, uh, in my opinion, just massively over-promising and under-delivering. Guys, people are skeptical now. I mean, how many of you have purchased a course or program and you were severely disappointed and let down. So uh, this challenge model lets you take all the risk off the table for your audience, for your prospective clients, and you show them who you are, you show them your stuff works, you, you prove your value, you, you prove your worth, you get the results, and, and you just ask them, those that want to go forward, they move forward. So it's a great, it's, it's been a great model for people who are more like service driven, they're passionate about what they do. They know they can add value. This has been a home run for so many of us. Let's break it down a bit, uh, Pedro, because that's a that's a fabulous uh, outline that you just did uh, of your success. Mm -hmm. And we always hear where you 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 know do master classes, do funnels, do lead magnets. Uh, I know copy is important. We're going to talk about that in your challenges. But you did this without this huge email list. You did this without doing master classes. Uh, which we have, many of us have been advised, a lot of people give that advice. But since so many of us here on Clubhouse are in the coaching space, we're in the service space, so I want to break it down. So if we've never done a challenge before, what is your best advice? Because you mentioned the word, there's so much out there already. There really is. I mean, there's so many, I mean, today's International Podcast Day. There's podcasts to listen to. There's master classes to, to, to go to. There's blogs that want our attention. And, you know, there's just a lot that's pulling on everyone for attention. And so with your challenges, you mentioned 30-day challenges. What would be your advice for someone who's never done a challenge and they're just starting? Where would we start? Yeah, great question. And, and so where you, where you probably would start is not doing a 30-day challenge. So even though that's how I started, um, again, I didn't – that was like an accident. I wouldn't recommend a 30-day challenge when you're just getting going. It's just a marathon. Um, you probably have seen, many of you have probably seen the five-day advertisements for five-day challenges. So that's my five-day challenge framework that you're seeing that pretty much has, you know, revolutionized a lot of the online marketing game. And so, you know, most people that start, when they start the five-day or seven-day challenge, 
And I'm going to tell you right now, guys, just what separates people that crush challenges and um, that launch and grow and, and, and have amazing businesses on the back of challenges. What separates challenges that do really well from those that kind of maybe struggle. The first thing that is really important when you're thinking about a challenge, and you've probably heard this before, um, but a lot of entrepreneurs, guys, we hear stuff and we don't do it. But the number one step that I recommend people do before we think about a challenge is I want to get very specific and detailed about the audience they serve. You've either called the client avatar or what niche. I call it the micro niche. I have had, I have become very successful and some of my best students carving what I call micro niches, niches within niches, going very deep, very specific, very narrow. I say this, carve a niche so tight, only you can fit inside of it. I'm going to say that again. You should probably write that down. Carve a niche so tight, only you fit inside, meaning you are the only person who's actually showing up and serving that avatar that way. Because when you are the only person who's actually speaking to that narrow of a defined of an audience, solving that problem with your unique method, you not only become the only solution, you obviously now become the best solution. And I think most entrepreneurs, if I'm just can be real, Jude, they're lazy. They are lazy and they're unwilling to work on carving this niche. They're like, I see ads every day. Are you a coach, consultant, course creator, or a course creator? Dot, dot, dot. I'm like, that's the whole damn online marketing world. I mean, you might as well say, attention, everyone. If your ad starts out with attention, coach, consultant, course creator, just say this, attention, everyone. And if you're trying to talk to everyone, you're going to reach no one. So I have been very successful at, 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 at creating, identifying micro niches, staying very focused on these micro niches. And my most successful students who are especially my early stage entrepreneurs, that's what they've all done. Because guys, like I started with zero, no email list. I had no email list. I had no affiliates. I had no customers of this offer I had three years ago. Like literally we launched this from dirt, from zero. And I've helped hundreds of the exact same thing. But if you're trying to talk, if you're trying to have a conversation with too broad of a group of people, you're, it's, it's like going into a crowded party where there's thousands of people at a party and there's a lot of music and you're like, hey, talk to me and look at me. Like no one's gonna hear you. And so you gotta carve that micro niche. Most entrepreneurs are unwilling to do it. Um, and, it's, and it's usually due because of FOMO. Well, Pedro, if I only work with females, what about all the guys I could serve? Don't worry about the guys you could serve. Let someone else serve them. You know, well, Pedro, what if I only work with these people? Like it's, it's, it's FOMO, it's scarcity thinking. Um, don't worry about that. Just go all in on who you can uniquely add the most value to. And the fact is you can't add the, the same amount of value to everyone. I am way more valuable to certain people than others. And so I would say that's the number one step I'd have, Jude. You know what? I'm so glad you mentioned this. And I'm, I'm with entrepreneurs, and you know this. I mean, you, you might know Mark Victor Hansen, and I remember being in his office one day, and and Mark Mark will come up with 55 ideas, and 
and and he was, you know, I mean, you know what they did with chicken soup for the soul. So that was obviously niching into that great market. But entrepreneurs, and I, I just cite Mark because I remember the visual that day. It, the office was just loaded with all these project ideas and everything and uh, things he was going to do in addition to chicken soup for the soul. I think most entrepreneurs, and maybe you'll agree, Pedro, that we all are very good at a lot of things, even within our in our space. You know, we a lot of things, which is why I've always say delegate what you don't do, you know, don't do what you don't do best delegate, you know, to someone else, because that's my philosophy for me. But having said that, with this with this niche, and we advise our entrepreneurs in that same space, but with this niche, like, for instance, we have Kobe, it's the collaboration of brilliant entrepreneurs, it's an in person coaching program here in Los Angeles, seasoned entrepreneurs, brick and mortar, some of them, etc. Now, we are thinking about going online. And I don't know about a challenge yet. That's what I'm going to learn about this. But we're thinking about going online. And to, to specialize in solo entrepreneurs, because to niche it down to solo entrepreneurs, because there's, they need the same advantages that a seasoned entrepreneur needs or a corporation needs, you know, standing operating procedures or processes or whatever. So would you call that niching or should it be a, a, a deeper niche than just saying, oh, I'm going from, you know, seasoned entrepreneurs to solo entrepreneurs? How would you separate that or, or would you or what's the advice? Yeah, so, um, so solo entrepreneurs, I would say is... I would say we're not even at the niche level yet because, oh my word, like solo entrepreneurs, I mean, that could be, again, we're now, are they, are these coaches? Are these consultants? Are these service providers? Are these authors? Are these course creators? Are these, are they, are they, do they have a done for you service? What industry are we talking about? So if we're at just solo entrepreneurs, you know, I think we have a lot of work to do to kind of narrow that down much tighter. I love that, and thank you. I mean, <laughs> thank you because uh, that's how I, I, mean, right? that's how I uh, think we think we don't go deep enough. Yeah, are they looking to make their first dollar? Are they are they are they already at a hundred k a year and want to go to two hundred k a year? You know, like we we can. Are they just getting started? Are they five years tr trying to do this? You know, I mean, are they men? Are they women? Are they are they in Australia or are they in California? Are, you know, what I mean, like guys, there's so many different ways to segment. Um, and to me, it's the most under, to me, it's the most just overlooked step in the entire marketing process. And yet it's the most important step in the marketing process. And the fact is it makes everything else easier. So many of your listeners and people in general, we would all agree that most of us suck at copywriting. And the fact is that copywriting is, it, it's a skill set that takes a long time to learn, but guess what? If you carve a niche super, super tight, you don't have to be a brilliant copywriter. It's much easier to write very poignant scroll-stopping copy when you have a very uber-niched group of people you're speaking to because you know exactly what their problem is. You know exactly what how to speak to them. You're not trying to reach a 25-year-old stay-home mom and a 58-year-old burnt-out corporate executive. And you know what I'm saying? Like, guys, it's just too dang hard to create copy that speaks to these wide top of funnel audiences. Like you have to be a master level copywriter to do that. And let's be honest, most of us are not that good yet. And so by, by creating a micro niche, it just makes the whole rest of the marketing process so much easier because you know exactly, I mean, it's very clear about who you're writing to and it makes it so much easier to write compelling copy. Well, you know what? I'm so glad you brought this up, and I think that that your answer and bringing up being in a niche market 
uh, serves all of us. And it certainly made me, you know, just stop and think. In fact, I typed up a note to myself that go deeper, go deeper, go deeper, Pedro, Pedro, Pedro. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> having said that, uh, I think it serves us all. But having said that, I do want to talk a bit about copy because we talked about that on the phone the other night. And copy is, I mean, you know, t attention getting headlines, copy that reaches people, whatever. What Do you have kind of a guide for writing copy and uh, other than being specific to your niche market? Yeah, I mean, so again, so let's say let's say now that you carved a really great micro niche, okay. So here's some here's some thoughts I have about writing copy, okay. First of all, copy should be probably eighty percent problem focused and twenty percent solution focused. How do you win people's trust? How do you prove people that you actually know what you're talking about? It's to show them that you understand their problem. I believe whoever understands the problem the best in a market has a massive advantage. I'd write that down. I'd write that one down. Whoever understands the customer's problem the best in that niche has a massive advantage. So when you can actually here, here's my goal in copywriting. I want to put on paper in my ad, in my funnel, in my videos, I want to I want to say things to them that sound like this. Hey, you're probably thinking this. You've probably wondered this. You probably even when you lay at night and, you know, before you go to sleep, you're probably having this thought go through your head. What is the conversation they're already having, having with themselves on the drive to work when they're sleeping at night? What are those secret fears and concerns that they're not even telling their friends or spouse about? And you'll never know that if you don't micro niche. So to me, I like to be very, I like to, and I like to focus on problems that they are aware of. Okay. So many people are focused on, well, my customers need this. Well, if you're the only person that thinks they need it, you're going to like, good luck. Okay. People don't buy what they need. They buy what they want to buy. So I focus my copy on, Show, on giving them things that they want to buy while at the same time giving them answers and solutions I know that they need. So I focus on on their on typically their number one most um, aware problem that they're having, okay? And then I would connect whatever I'm inviting them into as a way to move forward in solving that problem. And then of course, you know, um, if you know what their number one desired outcome is, then you can use both. But a lot of copy I read, it's all like sunshine, rainbows, and unicorns. It's just, oh, click here, and you can make a ton of money online, and and, and never have to do this. And it's just like, just like, you know, it's just uh, pleasure, 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 promise, promise, promise. And it just, it, it, it doesn't work. It's not going to convert. Like, you know, um, so you've got to really focus. I focus on, on the pain, the problem, and then I will just make a simple call to action, which is easy for me is inviting them to a free challenge where I'm going to help them, you know, solve that problem in my challenge. And the problem I'm going to solve in my challenge will be step one of that scenario, right? I'm not going to, I'm probably not going to change someone's life forever. I probably can't solve all of your problems in your life and business in just five days. But I could solve one problem in five days, right? We could take one of those things and get some momentum. 
So I think that's my, you know, uh, that's, that's kind of my general approach to copy. Um, I also write copy very conversationally. Um, make sure that you're using, make sure what's nice about having a micro niche is, is then you know every micro niche has its own lingo has its own lingo. So for example, when I'm writing copy and doing stuff for my faith-based audience with with our, you know, with the 100X Academy, there is Christian ease. It's what it's what we call it. Like there's like Christian lingo, church lingo. And so I'll use words and I'll make fun. I'll even make fun about some of that stuff because I know that that avatar will know what it is. And I, you know what I mean? Whereas in other industries, there's industry jargon, right? If I was writing to hardcore marketers, then you talk about ROAS, talk about CPA, CPL, CPMs, you would use that jargon to prove that you actually know what the hell you're talking about, you know? So you can, when you, again, when you have a nice micro niche, you should be using industry terms, lingo, terminology that would make sense to that group of people, but probably not make sense to anybody else. That's again, that's how you prove that you're one of them. You know what you're talking about. You know the lingo. You know the jargon. You understand the problem, and you actually, you know, have answers and solutions. So that's kind of my general approach. And and, and then try and be funny. I mean, guys, humor. My gosh, I mean, humor is just ridiculously effective. So try and be funny. Like make it. You know, be be. be you know, have, have, have fun with it. Like sh show some humor in it. Um, and then, uh, and, uh, to me, those are the biggest things that I'm, I'm trying to do. I'm trying to, if I can get them to laugh a little bit, but if I can also get them to cry, you know, on the same ad, and if I can speak to their mind, if I can also touch their heart and if I can then uplift their soul, that's to me, that's what I'm looking for. That's the home run. Um, and again, you know, it's easier to do all those things, guys and gals, if you are really super clear about that specific audience you're writing to. Okay, that's great advice. And I love Ooh. what you said about humor because we do learn better with humor. And studies show that we encourage that with people on speaking when we're on the speaking space. Um, so, okay, now where I'd like to go to, Pedro, you mentioned funnels and you mentioned affiliates. So let's talk about your funnel. What are some of the criteria that you use for your funnel to get, even though we wouldn't be doing 30-day challenges to start, but what's the funnel that you use to get people into your 30-day challenge? Yeah, so again, so let's just talk more about my five-day challenge. That's probably what more people are going to be using to start as a five-day challenge. Um, guys, like literally um, what I'd recommend now to keep it super basic and simple, it's not even really a funnel. It's just one page. It's 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 a challenge opt-in page. If you're running a free challenge, all you really need is just one page. It's the opt-in page where they opt into your challenge. So, and we've got templates that we can share. If you guys go to, if you guys go over to challengesecrets.com, I've got some cool stuff for you guys there. Challengesecrets.com. But um, so literally, my most popular template now is a one-page challenge funnel which is not even a funnel it's one page it talks about you have you know it talks about what the challenge is who it's for who it's not for you, you, you're gonna you're gonna talk you're, you're gonna talk about what the big promises are in the challenge and essentially what happens after that just once they opt into the challenge you take them right to your private facebook group because 
that is where you host the challenge. Our challenge model is run inside of Facebook groups. That's so that so you don't need any fancy technology. You literally host Facebook groups that are free. You, so you create the Facebook group to host the challenge. And so literally once they opt in, you can send them right to your Facebook group. It really can be that simple. Um, and so now if you want to get fancier, then you know, then you can do basically a two-page funnel. Page one could be your challenge opt-in, and page two could be an could be an upsell. You can sell them. Most of my students are doing a ninety-five or ninety-seven dollar VIP backstage pass. Um, you know, get access to Zoom calls, get some live Q and A with me, or get you know get get a couple of other resources. And so they might have a, a ninety-seven or thirty-seven dollar type of upsell right before they join, and then on and then they go to the Facebook group. So those are the two, those are the two uh, most common types of free challenge funnels. One is a one-page funnel with that's free and goes right to the Facebook group. The other one is a two-page funnel that is a free challenge, that, but, that, but, that, but that offers an immediate upsell to some kind of upgraded challenge experience. That's great. Also, I mean, that's easy. That's that seems that we could do that. Uh, we could follow that your formula. Now, would you recommend you took that three thousand dollars worth of Facebook ads? Would you recommend that someone's doing a five a five day challenge their first time out? Did what you did? You did. You said you didn't have an email list. You didn't have you know the funnels built or any of these things. You didn't have, in other words, an audience when you started. So would right. you recommend that we that people that are just starting out, any of us, to do a five day challenge? that we should take Facebook ads? And if so, what kind of budget do you think? Yeah, so I mean, so first of all, like Facebook has gotten increasingly more difficult, like costs per, costs for Facebook, you know, leads are definitely higher. Um, so I wanna say that. Um, but basically here, here's my thought. Um, you either, you're gonna have to pay for traffic, okay? Like there's, there's no such thing as free traffic. They're like, but no, Pedro, Clubhouse, it's it's free, and I go on Clubhouse and I get leads. Clubhouse isn't free. Like you're spending your time here on Clubhouse, right, to generate leads. Like you, going in a Facebook group, all this organic reach is not free. You're paying with time. But guess what? It might make sense. And if you don't have a lot of money, then you should have time, and then you can go get organic traffic. I know people who are using. Clubhouse and TikTok very effectively to get, you know, quote unquote, organic traffic into their challenges. I don't know how to do that. I, and I don't have, I don't have the time and I don't really, I'm not trying to learn that right now because I know how to scale my ads. So I, from day one, I just use a lot of paid traffic and affiliates. So if you don't have a lot, if you don't have money for ads, you have no choice. You got to spend time and just hustle and use all the organic methods, Clubhouse, TikTok, Facebook groups, Instagram, all that stuff. But if you have money and you can afford to spend a little bit of money um, on ads, you think you should. The sooner you, because I don't think you can really, in my opinion, okay, this is just my viewpoint, until you can, until you as an entrepreneur can actually profitably scale cold traffic, I don't consider that a real business. You could have a hustle. You can you can hustle your way to a couple hundred grand, even a million dollars. And but that's you know hustling and, and and doing organic and DMing people and tipping on sales calls and 
if you have a high ticket offer and you, you know, like that's fine, but that's not a business, right? A business means you have a system of creating new customers consistently month in month out. And the only way to really do that at scale is you've got to figure out paid media. And so I think the sooner you can start to cut your teeth with paid media and, you know, even if you don't crush it out of the gate, the better. And again, here we go back to, you know, like a, you know, beating this drum here, the best way for you to, to actually get your ads to convert is to have a very niched audience. So that way you can put, you can target them on Facebook. I mean, Facebook is the first ad platform in the history of the world that lets you like really, really target at that such of a detailed level. I mean, you could target down to, I mean, you guys know, I mean, zip code, you can target people based on what TV shows they like. You can target based on what colors people like. You can target them on what influencers are following, what male, female, age, conservative, liberal, you know, religious affiliation. Do they have kids or no kids? I mean, single, married. I mean, guys, literally every, darn near every psychographic demographic is available there, for, you know, for you to, to target. But if you don't get specific, you kind of are handcuffing what the tool can do for you. So I would say if you have money to invest in your business and you have, then you should be, you should be running trap, you know, running ads. And I think the simplest place to start is Facebook slash Instagram. If your audience is older, clearly they're on more, they're on Facebook. And if they're a little bit younger, they're going to be on Instagram. But, um, but if you don't have money for ads, then no problem. Roll up your sleeves, just hustle and get some organic reach into your, into your challenge and we've seen custom we've seen students do that very successfully to go out you know do their first challenge no ad spend get a few you know 30 40 50 people in their first challenge make a couple of sales make their first three to five grand and off they go they can they now have seed capital to invest in some ads and and go from there Hey, that's that's this is good advice too and so i will ask you along that line can you define in a sentence your niche market and how you determined it well the, the so let me give you my first niche market i ever defined and that was when i was a brick and mortar service provider okay so literally i'm a financial professional living in a town called vacaville california in the bay area it's a town of like i don't know maybe like seventy thousand people and let's just say that the surrounding three or four cities was maybe a couple hundred thousand people in general. All of my competitors, all of these, uh, all of my other competitors, basically, if you owned a home and were over 50, they were marketing to you. They were sending you mailers to come to these free dinner events. Okay. My competition was basically inviting everybody over the age of 60 to come to these events. What I just, and I started out doing that too, because I didn't know any better. What I, and then after about a, I don't know, maybe like a year and a half in the, doing this, I looked at my customers and I was like, huh, let me look at my customer list and let me see if there's any, let me take a look here and just see who are my favorite customers. So I made, a, I started checking the names of my favorite customers. Here's what I found out, June. The, over half of my favorite customers were women. They were nurses. They were mostly single and they were predominantly faith-based. 
And of course, they were over 60 as well, right? And they lived within a 20-minute drive of my office. So I realized if my favorite customers, who I enjoy working with them, they enjoy working with me and my staff, they're also profitable customers. If my favorite, most profitable customers are female, single, faith-based nurses over the age of 60, let's go all in on that. So I literally took every single penny of marketing money I had, and I just began showing ads to that person. Now, my peers thought I was an idiot. They're like, dude, you're an idiot. Like, do you know how many men you're passing up on? Do you know how many women who are not nurses are passing? Like, they're like, you're going to go broke. I'm like, well, let's see. Well, it turns out I didn't go broke. Turns out I actually doubled my business within 12 months. I went from doing over $600,000 in commissions the year prior to doing close to $1.2 million in commissions the very next year, only working with single female faith based nurses. That's how you carve a micro niche, folks. And today you would say my micro niche. It so then what happened is then I gave birth to my uh, 100x, which my micro niche there was I was working with, um, with uh, charismatic Christians, charismatic Christians, who also were very interested in not just entrepreneurship, but online marketing. So this, so now it's, I'm not working with just faith-based. It's now no longer just Christians. It's a very small segment of the Christian faith called the charismatic movement, which that's a micro niche within the Christian faith. And then I didn't just go after all business owners or all entrepreneurs. I went after entrepreneurs who were following the online marketing crowd. So I basically went to a deep, I went to a deep niche in the spiritual realm a deep niche with business and then said, you have to be in this group and this group. So I created this very even smaller group and that's how we got started. And that's how these people saw me and, and they're like, Oh my God, no one's ever done this for us like you. Now, of course, there's plenty of knockoffs now because what happens is once you, once you carve a niche like this, you actually end up creating a whole new industry. If you're successful, you create a new industry. So I have actually launched an industry for, you know, with, uh, I mean, at a whole other level. And so, of course, now there's a lot of people that are trying to do it and modeling, you know, quote unquote, hashtag, you know, modeling me, which is basically plagiarizing me. It's fine, whatever. And uh, that's okay. But that's what you'll do. You'll, you'll, you have a first mover advantage. And if you really grow it, you'll actually give birth to an industry. And then, uh, then what happened, it happened again on accident. But I ran so many damn challenges, I became the challenge expert. I became the number one challenge guy. And, to, you know, and so I wasn't trying to do it again, but I just, so now here I am as, you know, yes, I, I'm now I'm serving a bigger audience now, but I'm still the challenge guy. Like, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be the everything marketing guy. I'm not trying to be uh, play, I'm not trying to serve the whole conversation of marketing. I'm not saying, Oh, I'm your ad guy. I'm your webinar guy. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm the challenge guy. And I'm very, I'm very happy staying in my lane with challenges. Now that is a bigger audience because now the ch being the challenge guy means I'm in the, I'm in the broader marketplace of online marketing, 
which is a much bigger marketplace than just serving charismatic Christians. And that's what usually happens. When you do a good job in a micro niche, you get promoted to a bigger niche. And if you keep doing this, then eventually, eventually, maybe you do end up with a huge following. At some point, you no longer have to micro niche. Tony Robbins doesn't have to micro niche anymore, right? He doesn't have to do it. You know, he's right. Like, you know, Malcolm Gladwell, you know, these big time authors, you know, like there's these huge, these huge influencers, right? J-Lo isn't micro niching because they, they, they're, they, they have been promoted. Their level of influence and fame and reach has promoted. They, they have been promoted where they can actually gather people's attention and have influence on a much broader audience, but no one starts there. Nobody starts there, right? Russell so Brunson started out selling potato guns. Go ahead. So now your audience is defined, please. My, now my audience with, with question with challenges is actually any entrepreneur who wants to make money online, our challenge model is the number one most effective way to make money online today, period, hands down. I have the proof to back it up. So that's a much bigger market, but I didn't start here. Got it. So let me ask you this. So now you, those of us, we're, I'm going to talk five, five day challenge as opposed to 30, but what yeah. is now, now you have them in your three, free 30 day challenge. How long is that challenge? And what is your upsell? So it's a five day challenge. So it's five days. Now it's not just five days. You'll, you're going to probably want to do, you know, some ads and some promotion for probably seven to 10 days before. And then on a five-day challenge, you're going to usually make your offer on day four. And then you'll probably have, you know, the offer open for several days after your challenge ends. So maybe in a five-day challenge, you're probably going to do five days of content. And then you're probably going to do two or three bonus days after the five-day challenge ends where you'll have your cart still open, the offer still open. And then you'll close the cart. Your offer will expire you know, so for example, let's say you have a five day challenge and it starts October um, 11th, which I think is when my next one starts. Let me see, is that right? Are my dates right? Yeah, October 11th is when my next challenge starts. Starts on the start on Monday, Thursday the 14th. I'll open the cart, I'll make my offer. The challenge ends on Friday the 15th. I'll do some bonus sessions over the weekend. The cart will stay open. And I'll actually close the cart midnight on Sunday, October 17th. So that's a pretty typical kind of outline, you know, kind of blow by blow of how these five-day challenges are actually structured. Okay. And then what is, now if we were in your your 30-day, what you do, then what would you be wanting, what would be the, the, the upsell. upsell there? Yeah. So I actually, okay, so this is going to vary by niche, you know, and. Yeah. Um, basically you can sell whatever you want. I mean, I know I have customers and students who run, who run a challenge and then when on Thursday or Friday, what they do is they just, they drop an application and they say, yeah, I'm taking, I'm taking a handful of new, the new clients, but you have to apply. And so I have people who are doing a challenge to an application, to a sales call, and then selling high ticket programs, high ticket coaching, done for you services. And then usually what I do is sell them into a group program, a group training program or a course. 
And um, my favorite price point in the niches that I work in is 995. I like to sell 995. Um, I would say probably, I would say like, 297 on the low and then 997 is like a really fun sweet spot on the back of the challenge but you can go right to high ticket i've seen it it works very very well as well as well what you don't want to do is do a challenge to sell a 37 dollar product or you know what i mean it's like you're gonna we're gonna work so hard you're gonna build so much trust like why would you do all that work to sell a 37 dollar item so you're, you're going to want to try to sell something on the back end that's at least 297 to 997 so you can be profitable cover your ad spend and have it and have a return on your investment that sounds wonderful to, to outline it like that for us i mean that makes it pretty clear you know how you're doing and i've heard that 997 before and now since you are the expert in these challenges that i i believe you uh pedro I'm going to ask one question about affiliates, and then I want to turn it over to see if we have any mods who have a question first, and then the rest of our speakers on stage, if anyone has a question, uh, Pedro, if that's okay with you. Um, sure. Affiliates. Now, you and I don't have an affiliate relationship, but if we did, I would say after this interview, I would say you can DM me, which they can do to get my notes from today, but not DM me to sign up. If I wanted to say you can DM me, and I've got a special code in there to sign up for uh, Pedro's challenges coming up in a couple of weeks we don't have that affiliate how do people establish affiliates like i know you and amy porterfield will come on each other's stages and, and talk about each other's events and things like that and uh Stu mclaren and you know yeah. a number of people are highly successful in this space how, how would we begin an affiliate relationship yeah that's a great question so i kind of i got my process is probably unique to me um, because how I got started as the challenge guy was I helped Dean Graziosi. I helped Roland Frazier. I happened, I mean, who was part of War Room Mastermind, part of Digital Marketer. So I was, you know, my this, I, people, the word got out, I was crushing these challenges. And so Dean reached out to me and I just helped him for free. Roland reached out to me. I helped him for free, designed their entire first challenges. Roland's now done 15 challenges. The exact same one I helped him design. And he's many, 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 many millions of dollars he's made. Dean took our challenge model that I helped him, you know, uh, run kind of challenges our way. Dean had run challenges for years. I mean, before I even was in the, in the business. But he reached out and said, Pedro, I, I've been running challenges, but clearly you're doing something different. Like, your numbers are incredible. So uh, I reached out and I consulted with Dean for free and help him come up with the challenge and his whole team. And we kind of walked him through our model and then he crushed it. And then that's how, that's how he then um, got Tony Robbins running challenges, which basically saved Tony's business. I mean, Tony fills up live in-person stadiums. Well, when COVID shuts the whole world down so much for that. So Tony was able to run challenges to his virtual events and serve even more people during a pandemic. So I got very fortunate that I was able to add massive value to very influential people. And so I just got jumped the front of the line and I had the biggest names in marketing promoting me just right away, you know, because I had so much massive proof and I had just served them at a high level. That's not typical, right? I mean, well, first of all, it, first of all, that is a very good way to shortcut your journey. 
just work for free for influential people and uh and and offer them some help and man if you can get them a good result they'll probably they'll help you back that, that you know they might they might be willing to do a promo for you but typically i would just say um you got to prove you're good at what you do guys like i, I no one's going to promote you to their list no integrous entrepreneur would promote you to their list without knowing that you're actually great at what you do and I just think we live in a diet. We live in a time, Jay, where people don't go for mastery anymore. I just don't think people are really that committed to being great at what they do anymore. I mean, and so one is my encouragement is actually put in the time, get develop your skills, be great at what you do, and so that way people will, people that actually have a, an email list of of people that need what you do, they'll probably be a lot more willing to endorse you and promote you because their people actually need what you do and you happen to be great at it um and then what you can do is guys honestly like running challenges is so smart to help you network your way into the with other influencers because you can invite people onto your challenge you can give them free attention um they don't you don't you don't you don't make them promote you know um you just invite them on and so i've been able to get really just awesome people into my challenge as a featured speaker because I never asked them to email their list and then you build the relationship with them they're like wow that was really fun how, you know how's that work and so I just think guys like there's um, being good at what you do adding some value and then um, you know going to events here in clubhouse a lot of networking you guys can do basically people need to know who you are they have to like you and know that you can deliver the goods and then you want to have an attractive payout you know yeah i mean if it's a course if, it, if, if it's an online course or something like it's going to be at least a 50 percent payout and um and most people aren't going to want to do that for a course that's less than a thousand dollars um if it's a high ticket program then it's going to have to be you know up it's going to it's going to have to you know like yesterday some guy pitches me He's like, hey, can you promote my 15K program to your list? And I'm like, well, I'm like, well, probably not. But I didn't want to be rude, so I, I let the guy, you know, finish. And he's like, you know, if you promote this to your list, you know, I'll give you a thousand dollars. I'm like, dude, like, with all due respect, first of all, you're asking me to promote a $15,000 offer to my list, which I'm not even sure that they need it. And you want me to drive you a $15,000 sale and you're offering me a $1,000 affiliate, you know, commission back. Uh, like No one's going to take that deal. And somehow like, and the guy was not trying to screw me over. He just is clueless about how this actually works. Like no one's going, like your mom wouldn't do that. <laughs> right. I mean, your, yeah, right. your best friend, I mean, your yeah. best friend wouldn't do that much less someone who you might not know that well. So, yeah. um, and guys, the affiliate the affiliate game is is not all it's cracked up to be. Uh, I, I it's really a game of like you scratch my back, I scratch your back. You kind of end up having to sell your soul, promising people favors. So I don't recommend trying to start out that way. I'd much rather you figure out how to scale cold traffic, so that way you're not reliant on affiliates. Um, affiliates came my way because I was great at what I do. And so they were happy to promote me to their list because I'm the best 
at this and they can make a lot of money promoting my stuff. Um, and, and yet I don't build my entire business on affiliate revenue. I, I build my business on being able to convert cold traffic month in month out on the biggest platforms in the world. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because that you hear an awful lot about, especially today, it's even becoming more prevalent and more and more popular affiliates. So I'm glad you cleared us up on that. So uh, Pedro, I want to open up in the couple of minutes that we have. If anyone has any questions, uh, please, if you're a mod on stage, flash your mic or just go ahead and open your mic and ask your question. But please, let's just keep it to a question in essence of time to be respectful of our next program here. So does anyone have a question? for Pedro they'd like to ask right now. If so, just at mods, you can unmod and, and ask the question. Okay, if there's anyone else on stage who has a question for Pedro, please just ask it as a question and I'm sure he'll be happy to answer. All right, well, since I am the talk show, <laughs> former talk show host, hey, I always... Yes, go ahead. It's Cheryl. I did have a question. I, I was hesitant to ask Pedro because I think I've seen you a few times uh, in the hallways of Clubhouse. Um, I was hesitant to ask because I joined rather Just go late. ahead. It's okay to ask. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually, I have done a challenge before, but I'm currently planning to launch a master class um, rather than a challenge. Do you have any thoughts about the difference between doing the master class versus a challenge? Thank you. Yeah, so great question, Cheryl. And I just quickly touched on your uh, your icon there and saw that you, you deal with imposters. You help folks with imposter syndrome. So uh, I'd love to just chat briefly about that after. But so I don't, I mean, basically uh, a master class, again, depending on depending on how you run that master class, it could be a challenge. So basically to me, the term challenge, master class, boot camp, intensive, workshop, it could be all different ways of saying the exact same thing. Some people think, oh, there's too many challenges going on. So I'm gonna call my five day thing a workshop. Okay, I don't care what you call it, it's a challenge, right? I'll call it a masterclass. So I don't, I don't know enough about what you mean by masterclass, but, uh, but, it, it, but it's um, so I can't really answer that question. All I know is that we use the term masterclass, challenge, intensive workshops, usually interchangeably, and it's the same kind of framework every time. Uh, sometimes people will do masterclasses on Clubhouse, Pedro. You know, we hear a lot of them actually. And, it's, you know, people doing them quite often. We're going to do one ourselves on uh, October 13th uh, for entrepreneurs. Uh, so we do see a lot of master classes. Oftentimes they're one day. Some people will do a weekend. Some day we'll do a five day. But, yeah. but they do call them master classes. They, they last about an hour, which, by the way, takes me to your segment. How long does your in your challenge segment, your, your 30 day or, yeah. or five day, how long is that? Uh, yeah, it's about an hour. It's about an hour. Okay, good. So yeah. we have that part down. Oh, that's good. I would <laughs> so say that probably the big difference between a masterclass and a challenge is a masterclass probably is more focused on just content, whereas a challenge is focused on um, assignments and actually doing homework every day, taking action, doing assignments. So it's not just passive learning. You're not just not just showing up to learn and take notes. You're actually committing to take action and do daily assignments with what you've done. So that's probably where a mass. That's probably where a challenge differs than a master class or 
or a, or a or a launch where you're just cons or watching YouTube videos or a three part series, it's challenges are gonna should a well designed challenge should challenge the participants. They should be challenged to actually take some action, do some work, apply apply the information. That's the big difference. Yeah, and I also would think on your challenges that, and this is a question, it's in the form of a question, but I know for me, if I can give someone work to do that really helps them, you know, understand what they want, first of all, and then helps them sure. take an action and implement, that not only helps the bond between the, 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 the person and myself, but it also helps them bond with the community of the others. Is that part of the, the, uh, the appeal? It, it does that, and also does something even more important. Most people that are going to show up into your challenge or that you're looking to help, they have already struggled and they're failing with what they're trying to do. They've probably, you're probably not the first person they've come to for help. So what I find a lot is a huge part of the market is now drowning in self-doubt and unbelief. They, because they've quit on themselves so many times. They bought things and didn't do anything with them, or they tried things and it didn't work. And so the biggest thing we have to overcome, in my opinion today, is getting people to believe in themselves. Guys, like, you know, just real talk, like, my challenge model is not on trial. It works. It works. I mean, if it didn't work, you wouldn't see, uh, you know, you wouldn't see what it, it wouldn't have taken over the internet like it has in so many ways, right? Like, so it's like my model works. Like clearly, you know, my 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 you know this my track record as an entrepreneur is uh, it works. It's proven. So what's not proven? What's not proven is that cut that prospective client. He's like, well, I know Pedro is legit. I know challenges work, but man, I don't believe in myself. Am I really going to follow through? Will this work for me? Do, you know, should I do I do I dare to dream and hope again? And when you give people daily micro assignments so they can achieve a micro win where they can actually start to see, man, I can do this. I'm making progress. Like, I actually can do this. You're not just bonding them to you and to each other. You're giving them an even more precious gift. You're giving them hope and belief again in themselves, not by playing loud music and pounding your chest and jumping, looking in the mirror and saying, I can do it. I can do it. I mean, I'm not opposed to rah-rah motivation. But that's very fleeting. I like to give people belief based on real things that will, which is them taking action, them getting results, them actually moving forward. And a challenge helps build belief um, in people because now they've actually done something. They got a result and now they want to stay in that momentum. That's what separates a well-designed challenge from every other marketing method. Webinars don't do that. VSLs don't do that. YouTube videos don't do that. Only my challenge model puts people into actual real momentum, not just buying momentum, actual real momentum, making progress to the goal, to the outcome that they want to see transformed in their life. Pedro, that's, that's really sums up this, this whole segment here today with you. And I also will say to you, and you may not find this astounding, I did in the beginning of my work with executives, I mean, high-level C-suite executives. And to this day, I mean, I've been doing this work for a long time, working with transformational leadership. To this day, I will not receive an email or a handwritten note, a, a get whatever, that doesn't say, 
oh yes, I'm my my speaking's better, my keynotes are better, my presentations are better. I am more confident. You improved my confidence. You know that I didn't improve their confidence. It was just the tool to help them get to that level of confidence. And so when you talked about belief in yourself, I was stunned when I would get these notes with the, I mean, it's consistent. I, I, I've done, we've looked at our testimonials, our letters. Confidence always comes into it. So I'm so glad you mentioned belief in self because without that, I don't think we will accomplish anywhere near our potential. And you mentioned something else, Pedro. You said taking on that, yes, the belief in yourself, but also taking on mastery at what you do. I mean, to really become not just good, but to become great. And you said we're not seeing that as much today. And that's another conversation. But as we wrap, leave us a message about that, about really knowing what we do so that we, we're so clear on the greatness that, that we have and can help others find their greatness. Yeah, well, I mean, I just leave you guys with this. There is a there is a promise. There's a there's a book of wisdom. There's a great book of wisdom that I, I'm fond of. You can probably guess what I'm talking about. And it, this book of wisdom was written by King Solomon, who is the wealthiest, mm -hmm. successful mm -hmm. king in the world. It's called mm -hmm. the book of Proverbs. Mm -hmm. And in Proverbs chapter 22, he says this. He says, basically, it's, I'm going to paraphrase. It says, when you find someone who is excellent at what they do, it says they will stand before kings. They will stand before influential people. They will not just talk and spend time with low-level people. They will be brought before the highest levels of influencers in the world. And today, everybody wants to be an influencer. But, but how? How are you influencing people? Is it because you're, you tell jokes or you shake your ass on TikTok? Or is it because you actually have become exceptional at what you do that the best people in the world seek you out? Guys, I can, t I can just tell you that I can't tell you how good it feels that every almost every day, every other day, I have a text from just incredible people that have been heroes of mine. I, I have text messages from people asking my help with their challenge and their marketing. I have their books on my bookshelf. And now they're hitting me up to work with them, to partner with them. And guys, it's like it's like a full circle moment. You know, there's a saying that says, you know, hustle so hard that you don't need an introduction. Man, I, I, I don't care about that. What I love is the fact that like I've stayed so faithful and worked so hard to become so good at something that now my heroes are friends, colleagues, contemporaries and business partners. And the same can be true for you. But that only comes from diligent, focused, and mastering, and just trust the process. And today, we have too many people going from jumping from opportunity to opportunity to opportunity and chasing the next shiny thing. And that's just not what successful people do, guys. And so I would encourage you to, you know, I don't want to, this kind of sounds, I don't want to be negative at all. I don't want this to be, you know, like I'm not trying to be negative or I'm not trying to burst any bubbles here, but I want to just give you guys hope and encouragement that. You can still win the game. You know, my life in three years ago, guys, I was living in obscurity. And uh, what's happened in my life in just three short years, it, it, it's, it's, it's a miracle. It's miraculous. But I, I, it's, I'm not special. I just, I just followed some several, you know, I just applied some really important disciplines and some principles that have taken me pretty far. And all of you can do the exact same thing. Pedro, thank you so much for being with us today. I enjoyed our interview. 
I, I know we all learned a lot. I'm looking forward to our next conversation. And I, as we close out Pedro's segment, thank you so much again. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did because uh, you, you gave us so much information. I was trying to take notes and interview, which I normally don't do. <laughs> Pedro. <laughs> thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.